Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University and the co-founder of TheLeveragists.com and Divisio.com. And today we've got a fantastic show lined up for you guys. We've got me and Jack, my partner and <coughs> the co-founder of TheLeveragists.com and co-author of The Leverage Black Book. Hello, Jack. Hi, are we on our own today? We are on our own today. Good. I like having you as a guest. <laughs> Me as a guest? I'm thinking you're going to be the guest. Okay, I'll be the guest this time. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today, Jack? Well, I'm having a blast. I, I, uh, you know, working on the Leverage Black Book and everything, and and uh, and being kind of deep in it with clients and everything. I, I've been under the radar for a while uh, until recently, in launching the Black Book, getting to kind of pop my head out and look around, and it's just kind of fun. The way that I'm looking around is I'm looking for leverage. I'm looking for examples so I can use it. Uh, in training and, and on blog posts and things like that um, to show people examples of really good leverage. So I have to go follow really successful people around. It sucks, but somebody's got to do it. And just watching what people, companies, all kinds of uh, uh, people are doing for their businesses. And one thing that kind of stuck out, um, and it's sticking out more and more as the years go by, <laughs> is that people are really bringing it. They're really taking things to a really uh, a big level to get attention um, in their whatever they're doing. And I'm talking about companies in just about every market you can imagine. But what I've been noticing is um, people, you know, bringing something that is unexpected in their products or their services or the way that they serve people uh, you know, and kind of going above where the bar has been raised. Because that's really truly the biggest leverage you can use is to just do something so great that people can't help but talk about it and can't help but want to promote you and, uh, you know, joint venture with you and things like that. So, um, you know, anybody who's coming out with kind of like a Me Too product or if your product or service sounds a little too much Me Too, like you can surely picture people in your market going, I've seen this before. And uh, your only way to stand out is um, is not really that exciting. Uh, you're just probably not going to be very happy with your results because of what I've been seeing. I mean, there's always somebody in every niche that really, really, really brings the goods in every single conceivable way that that's possible from just having a great product to start with and <laughs> or service and just the way that they interact in their space 
And it's almost as if they're not aware of marketing and things like that. They certainly are, but they're so preoccupied with their mission of serving in the way that they do, whatever they do, in whatever industry or niche that they're in, that they don't seem aware of uh, their own success even. And, you know, if you can get them to sit down on a show like ours and talk about it, it's sometimes the first time in a long time that those guys have thought about how far they've come because they're so, so, so into their mission. You know what I mean, Gina? I sure do. <clears throat> it happens all the time, right? Yeah. It's it's a phenomenon. <laughs> I mean, it's always been in existence, but I think that the Internet and the way that everybody, you know, content marketing and everything has been going for the last several years Everything's drilled down to, you know, top five ways to do this and seven ways to do that. And, and that's, you know, across all niches, uh, all interests. And I think everybody might be in danger at, in, in that kind of environment of thinking that everything is just absolutely procedural. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And once I get through these seven things, it seems like everybody else is doing these seven things. I'll do these seven things. And we – we become less passionate about what we're doing and more methodical. And that's when you start to become a little too smart for your own good. And you're too aware of the fact that I have this thing that I do, but I'm a marketer. I'm marketing right now. So I have my marketing hat on. And then that's really where you can open yourself up to big mistakes, like uh, being too aware of what you're doing. And then everybody can say, oh, God, they just made a huge mistake there. They they didn't serve. They just kind of posted an ad or something <laughs> that didn't feel good to me. And that comes from, you know, that, that feeling from the people that you're trying to sway your way um, comes from um, not being in your moment, I think. And because I look around, I see the people that Gary Vaynerchuk interviews all the time, the companies that he works with, and, um, you know, you get a really good cross-section of you get athletes and you get businesses of all kinds and everything, you know. So if you follow Gary, it's kind of like a lightning rod for following uh, the people that he highlights, of course, are very successful or on their way to really big things. And you can kind of, you know, branch off of that and follow the people that he works with and just see how they're doing it. It's almost like another world, you know. If you just go to your Facebook feed or you go to, uh, you know, your LinkedIn feed or wherever, you see what everybody on the average is doing. And I'm not saying that everybody is an average person or anything, but, you know, you just get a kind of an average feel when you see what people are doing and what they're promoting and the articles that they're writing and all that kind of stuff. And then there's people who you can't easily see on social, like who we talked to last week, Ryan Allaire, who is a really great example on that episode. You get to hear from somebody who's total, almost totally underground. And there's a lot of people who don't, Underground nowadays means you don't post on social all the time, and people can't keep up with your highlight reel uh, very easily. And, um, and they're just working, and they're just loving what they're doing, and they're very passionate about it. And they haven't lost the point of you know, why we do business and all that stuff. It's not to read about each other's cats on social, so to speak. It's really much, much more and deeper than that. And if you're out there doing a lot of doing, um, you don't – you don't have time to surface and say, hey, everybody, here's what I've been doing. You're too into it. You're too passionate about it. So those are just some of the lessons that I've been, you know, relearning 
uh, in the past several weeks with our guests and also with the research that I've been doing um, and just looking out for what is really successful these days in terms of leverage and, and everything else. Awesome, Jack. And as you're going out talking to people, what are you learning from them about how they're using leverage? Well, a lot of them don't even know they're doing it, which I love. I love people that are just naturally doing it, and that's most people. They don't, they don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to go use some leverage today so that I can have more life and less, you know, uh, more balance in my business and life. They just, they just are strategic by nature, and we can all learn a lot from them. Um, and what they're doing is, is they're doing what we talk about in the Leverage Black Book. They, these kinds of people t- tend to naturally look for the highest points around them that they can get attention. They don't like the idea of working their way up to something, like starting at the bottom of a mountain and just one step at a time trudging their way up. If they can catch a tram, if they can catch some air and float a little bit, they'll do anything that it takes to get to the top of the mountain without step-by-step step having to crawl up it which is what a lot of th- I think a lot of people you know, tend to do, whether they meant to or not. On a day-to-day basis, you, can, you might find yourself <clears throat> doing activities and, and things that really only get you so far, like <clears throat> i got to post something to social media today so uh, that I can get a little bit more attention. Maybe uh, Google will see something. It might help me out with my SEO about the article that I just posted, which is another thing. I just wrote another article uh, or uh, I did a podcast, or I did something, and, and things in your life become more procedural than passion-driven. And those things would naturally happen. Like, if what I see these guys doing is they they see something that needs to be done. They see something that they're very passionate that needs to be out there. So they'll make a video about it, or they'll do a blog post, but they're doing it because of something. They're not doing it – well, I should make that a capital S. They're doing it because of something. They're not doing it because it's something that's expected of Google to score for a keyword or to attract an audience in a mechanical way. It's just got to get out there. It's just something they're passionate about. And that's what I was saying earlier. Is most of the people that I'm looking up are, are, are doing things straight out of passion, even in Internet marketing, which is really weird. But um, there's a fairly new plug-in out that is uh, supposed to be able to replace all-in-one SEO and Yoast and um, you know as the number one plugin. And uh, the, I was just re- you know kind of refreshing. It, it launched in February, and I'm looking at the guys again today. <clears throat> Willie Crawford, that's your fault um, because he sent out an email reminder saying that he's putting this plugin on every single site he owns, and for good reason. They're getting tons of really great reviews, and but. The, the point is these guys seem really mission-based. They're a JVZoo um, uh, product, and if anybody knows anything about JVZoo, there's an awful lot of stuff that comes out every day. I won't say junk, but I won't not say junk either, as I just did. But there's a lot of crap. People are compelled procedurally and mechanically to come out with a lot of products on JVZoo, and every once in a while something really mission-driven will come out. And that's what I feel like when I, when I read these guys' things, that they want – 
to, they're on a mission to have every single WordPress blog that they can come in contact with replace all-in-one SEO or Yoast with their plugin because it's better, because it actually gets results. And I have no reason to question that because they're, they're, uh, the people who are coming back with feedback are people that I know, and it's just a mile long of testimonials. Holy crap, I went from this to this, number one, number you know, I'm in the top 10 now. I was in the number 63 two weeks ago. You know, it just keeps coming in and in. And what I noticed about it is it's not your typical product launch. It's not your typical product. These guys sound like, you know, they want to make money and they want to sell it, and they, they know they're onto something really big, but they're passionate about it. They're like, and it makes them make different decisions. It makes them do different things than somebody who's just got a, you know, a new product launch out there. And that's the, you know, the typical thing. So what I'm seeing is that people are just being very atypical in any way that you possibly can, as naturally as you possibly can, you know, because you could take what I'm saying and you can make it mechanical and procedural and go, hey, look at me, I'm being atypical. Jack said be atypical. You can't be aware of your atypicality. <laughs> you have to be in the moment. You have to more than anything, don't try to be atypical. You'll be atypical when you are leading with passion, when you have something really, really, really to say, to show, to do, to sell, that, that people really are going to get behind, that the world needs. And if you can find that in your niche, in your company, with your product line or your service, you are golden. That, <clears throat> that covers everything. If you start from there, it's the biggest point of leverage you can have. Like I said earlier, when you can look at the lay of the land and you're looking for the highest point of leverage, if I get on this show, I'll get in front of 800,000 people over the next year. If I get on this blog, I'll get in front of 5 million people over the course of the next year. You know, that's leverage. That's getting to a great big crowd without trying to win each one of them over one by one by posting cat pictures and stuff like that. And you know, the atypical, the, the way to be atypical, the way to succeed at not appearing to be aware that you're even in business as much as you have this mission is to just think about that for a minute. What is your passion about this? What made you sit up in bed at 3 in the morning thinking that this, was biz this business idea was great or this product idea was really phenomenal? Was it only for the money? Was it this thing is going to just make a whole bunch of money? Because if it was just that, there's nothing wrong with it, but you still have to find the reason that anybody should care because there's lots of products in the world. And competing on just a consumer level with anything, literally anything, even if you're a coach, there's, I mean, we've commodified coaching like nobody's business. It's the same thing as buying a product from Divizio that's just software or something. It's been commoditized. And people have a Walmart idea of coaching now. It's like, well, I know you offer this coaching, but 45,000 other people offer this coaching too, and now I'm just looking for the best price. That's how bad it is out there if you're a coach or a consultant, and that's what you're up against. And if you're only trying to compete on the terms that everybody else is, you're not going to get very far. So it's only the people who have coaching programs that really feel like there's a mission behind them, a movement behind it. And the best I've ever done with Internet marketing is when – with, with membership sites and things like that is when I inadvertently created and then vertently after that, once I figured out how it, how, what was really the success or the driving force behind it, was getting people to feel like they were rather rallying around a mission. If your goal is to attract groups of people that will all interact with each other, like you have a membership site or um, a group on Facebook even, 
you know, you want to give people something, a feeling of rallying around something. You know, your William Wallace moment when you're sitting in front of your troops facing down great odds against the English and trying to convince all of these guys to lay down their lives to fight for Scotland, so to speak. I've got my Braveheart uh, meme going on today. But that's what you're really trying to do. You're leading people. You're in, the, in that situation, that leading has to come from some kind of a passionate place. can't be done on features and benefits. Just, you cannot succeed on features and benefits at that point if that's what you're trying to do. And I'm seeing a lot of people doing that kind of stuff too. It's, it's uh, not a lot of people, actually. I'm seeing a percentage of every market that I look into. There's always cream of the crop. And when you're looking from a point of, from, you know, through the eyes of a leveragist, you start seeing uh, people pop up that other people wouldn't even see. But I'm just looking for people who are really looking for, who are really doing the leverage game right and, and leading with passion. And they, they're doing it right. Everything else falls in underneath that. Your SEO, their SEO is typically great. They've got great search engine rankings. Their following on social is great. But none of them are, seem, appear to me to be focused on, I've got to grow my social following or I've got to get better search ranking. They're focused on their mission, and those things come and fill in as a result of someone who's mission-driven in their business rather than procedural or mechanical-driven. Well, if you think about it, Jack, this is really the whole reason that DU has succeeded over the last nine-plus years. It's always been about the mission, and it's the reason that the Vortex model is so powerful. It's about the mission, right? Yeah. We yeah. talk about this Improving. at length in the last chapter of – one of the last chapters of the Leverage Black Book when we talk about the amazing traffic vortex. It starts with figuring out the center of your vortex – meaning that one thing that is both tied to the good that you want to do in the world as well as that one thing that's going to make you the greatest amount of money per customer per year. It's not about one or the other. It's about both. Yeah. And yeah, especially and everything if you're in the coaching business, in. essential. Go ahead. Yeah. But how much do we work on SEO at Directions U? But we, had, we get a whole bunch of traffic there from, from Google and Bing even. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I, did, I didn't really do much more than uh, check out the optimization when I arrived and when we did the redesign of the site, you know, just the basic stuff. But I haven't thought about how, you know, to getting traffic from Google uh, in terms of DU, but we get a lot of it. And because we always lead with our mission, our passion, we're always – we have a mission – you know, and, and everybody has to have that, right? Everybody should be thinking right when they start, well, what's my end goal here? Not just personally, but what's going to change in the world as a result of my business being successful? And if none of that gets you out of bed in terms of, you know, excitement and uh, passion and, and, you know, it's not going to last long anyway. You're, you're not going to get to that end goal uh, just being excited about what the money will do for you personally in, in most people's cases. Some people are really, you know, I, I would imagine there are some people out there that can just go completely by the numbers and, you know, passion doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, the kind of people certainly that we attract at DU and the leveragists and 
most people who call themselves entrepreneurs but aren't like Wall Street entrepreneurs. They're normal people entrepreneurs. They need more out of life than just um, being taken care of financially by their business. That's very, 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 very important. But I think a lot of people place so much importance on it that that's all they focus on, and then they can't figure out why they don't get better results than they do because they figure business is business, and I, you know, I'm only going to succeed if I hit 25 uh, coaching clients or if I uh, sell you know, 5,000 pieces of this or that. And, um, and you have to think about that. That's not to say that you just got to be a giant hippie about everything and just go with the flow and everything. You've got to have a plan in that regard. But the leading factor, the, the thing that pushes you forward more than anything, because people notice this. I'm only saying what you know to be true when you look around the web. Look at the people in your industry that are succeeding big time. Look at them. And notice that not a single one of them, I guarantee you, not a single one of them, <laughs> and I'll give somebody $100 if you can show me somebody who is only focused on their numbers and is not passionate and leading with their mission first. Every single successful person on this planet since the beginning of humanity has succeeded by leading with their mission first. They were passionate about something. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who is, has algorithmically figured out how to get more money out of some system. I'm talking about truly, really successful people. Typically, they're going to be millionaires and, and, and bigger, and they're going to be the head of, of something that, was, that is really, 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 really big, not just your average you know, hacker who's figured out a way to sell more books or to do something on Etsy or whatever. You can do that, and there are people like that, but most people just don't thrive in that kind of an environment. They need more out of what they're doing than just the money and the, uh, the, on, on the Excel spreadsheet version of success where it's all based on your bank account and nothing else. So those are the guys I'm talking about. Well, if you truly understand SEO, SEO at a philosophical level is just Google's algorithmic way of figuring out, are you doing a good job of serving your people? If you are, you're going to rank well. And they are just trying to figure that out. Well, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, are you really going to be serving your people well, Jack? Probably no, not. and they can tell. I mean, yeah, they can tell algorithmically now whether you're doing a good job with passion, which is funny because they can't really. I mean, they developed AI, and they're working on, you know, understanding things semantically and more like a human. That's been Google's goal since 1998 is to have the ability to do that because the best, the best search engine in the world is human as far as determining the value of something on the web. I like this. I right. don't like this. And we, our brain can do in just seconds what it takes them a lot longer and a lot more effort to do, uh, and they still don't get it right um, all the time. <laughs> Most of the time they don't get it exactly right like a human would, at least in terms of speed or quality. So, you know, they're, they're after that. They've been chasing that from the very beginning. And all they're trying to do is figure out if people are, are exciting. Are, are they magnets for attention? And usually the only way you can be a magnet for attention is if you're doing something that really moves people, literally and figuratively, around the web. And if you're not doing that, it's taken a long time, a very long time, uh, but Google has gotten much, much better over the years at telling whether or not you're that kind of person 
or you're that kind of company, or you know you have that kind of product or service or that kind of content on your site. But that's all they're looking for. That really is. You don't have to worry about all of the tactics that people employ that are short-lived that might work today but not tomorrow. All you've really got to do is worry about are you serving your people to the very best of your ability in every possible way with the content you put up, with the products you put up, etc., and insert that passion element and you're probably going to rank well on search and get decent traffic from it. It's also going to help you to attract better customers. It's going to help you to attract better JV partners and the whole nine yards. And in the end, well, an example if you're of someone, passionate, you're going to have more fun doing it. Do you remember my story about Heather at Deuce.com, Heather Armstrong, who I interviewed many, many years ago at the height I of uh, the search engine craze and <laughs> all of that. And everybody was optimizing back then, and advertising platforms existed, but it was mainly big media buys from Yahoo directly and things like that. There wasn't Facebook ads. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't what it is today. So you really had no option back then. If you wanted to attract a big audience, you had to be concerned with search. Uh, unless you didn't. Unless you didn't. And I interviewed somebody who got two or 3,000 comments per blog post. D-O-O-C-E dot com. I don't know if that's still there. It probably still is. She's probably still going. She's a mommy blogger. She got a, ended up with a, a couple of books under her belt and uh, even a show on HGTV after I wow. uh, because of my interview with her, I'm sure. No, after I interviewed her, she was already on her way skyrocketing up. Anyway, my interview with her went I was very technical. I was very into SEO. I was very into procedural math and things like that. So I'm I'm preparing to ask her what I ask everybody on my show at the time, what's your page rank? We used to have a thing called page rank and um that was an indicator, sometimes good, sometimes not so, about how well you were doing in search. And uh, she didn't know what pay drink was. I'm like, that's kind of weird. How can you get this big without, okay, never mind. Now, why don't you have a subscription button over here? Because it's been proven statistically that more subscribers will subscribe when your button's over. She's like, what? I don't, I don't really know. I have 100 trillion subscribers, and, and, and they all just go this way. I'm like, well... That's weird, but I can't argue with her results either, so I'm just going to move on. And several questions later, I started figuring out she doesn't know anything really materially important about SEO or about you know a lot of the things that we paid attention to in Internet marketing back then. Yet that was the most popular person I had interviewed to that point on my show. I mean, by, by exponentially larger in every single conceivable way. The money that she made from the site, the kind of traffic she got, nobody was getting thousands of comments back then on any other blog that I had seen. It was just the most popular. She was the Huffington Post at the time for mommy blogs. And, there, and, and she, what was she doing? What was her big thing? She didn't, I, I verified that she knew nothing or practically nothing about SEO. So there wasn't yet. She got tons and tons of traffic from Google. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, it was really quite a, a pure case study. She was what was she doing? She was all her head was thinking about at any given moment was content, and that's too clinical of a, a treatment of it. She was thinking about what she was going to write next about her family and her kids and 
what people were following her for. And they loved that stuff. And she analyzed their reaction, quite like Google tries to do now with its algorithm, not coincidentally. Um, she, analyzed, she was just totally focused on her own personal engagement with her fans through all of the comments that were coming up that would inform how she wrote the next piece and what she would write about because it seemed like on the last one they really liked that, the one before they didn't like it as much, and she just kept refining and refining and was totally focused on engagement and really couldn't tell you from a moment-to-moment or day-to-day perspective where the bulk of her traffic was coming from, why or how or any of that stuff, but she was just soaking in success just dripping with it. I mean, she, it, everywhere you looked, she had a new deal coming out. Big manufacturers were giving her products to use. She got a car. I think she was one of the ones that got a car from Ford just to drive around. And maybe, you know, if you want to talk about it on your blog because you like it, then go ahead. But, you know, here's the keys. She got, you know, um, had a bad experience with a washer and dryer <laughs> and put it up on her blog. And, and it was just no time at all before the company itself I mean, we're talking like Sears or something, like a big company. I can't remember. LG uh, was responding to her and helping her out because they knew that she was so powerful that thousands and thousands and thousands of moms were looking at this, the, being the number one purchaser in a household, going, I'm not going to buy that stupid brand because Heather <laughs> had this horrible experience with it. So they came in and, you know, uh, and helped out and uh, got her set up with a new washer and dryer. It's just crazy, the levels that you can get to. But it wasn't – what my point with her is is that she wasn't um, purposeful about it. She didn't say, I'm going to start a blog, um, and I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to try to work really hard to get this percentage of traffic coming from Google, and so I'm going to do SEO. She didn't do any of that stuff. She just started and led with her passion. She led with her passion for writing, for being funny, uh, witty, and all of those kinds of things in a particular niche about a certain topic that she had no idea what a niche was or topics or any of that stuff. She just wrote and got wildly, wildly successful. And people still do that, but most people nowadays, I think, are really formulaic. They see things like that, and they imagine that the person behind it did a whole bunch of procedural stuff to get where they were where none or very, very little of what they did procedurally had much at all to do with their success. It was rather the passion that they had for what they were doing to get the And when you lead with your passion, you figure out, well, yeah, I, this does need to go on SlideShare. I'm going to put some slides up. i got an account over there, and there's a whole audience over there that likes to get content over there. I'm going to do that. Well, without knowing anything about SEO, that's a really good SEO thing to do. But they didn't know that. They just said, well, there's an audience over there that, that looks a lot like my audience here. I could go put my slides up for my last presentation that I did. And they do that, and they don't know that Google thinks that's really, really awesome, that if that gets popular over there, Google can read one big engagement metric that they like to read when they're trying to determine if somebody's really uh, all that and awesome. Um, and they end up with better search engine rankings without even knowing that they were doing SEO. Because all they wanted to do was just reach more people. They needed to reach more people that the message was designed for no matter what it takes. So you're automatically going to go to, if, you, if it's appropriate for you, you're going to go to LinkedIn and all the different third-party sites. You're going to do videos on YouTube. Of course you're going to do that. And you can do that without knowing anything about what the benefits are going to be mechanically over at Google or, uh, or elsewhere. 
You know, you're just doing it because I've got to get this message out to as many people as possible. Now, you're aware of, <laughs> as we all are, that you're in business to make money, that you need traffic to do that. You need targeted and engaged traffic to do that. The Pandora's box has been opened. We will never get it closed. Once you learn about the mechanics of how Internet marketing works, you don't forget it and be kind of stupid to forget it. But if you can pretend for a while or the next time you meditate or whatever, when you're thinking about your business and you're doing a plan for uh, the, your, your editorial calendar or something, if you could just pretend like you don't know, pretend because you can't just wipe your brain. Uh, but I think a lot of people would actually be, gosh, that's a new company. If I could just erase the part of your brain that knows anything about Internet marketing, 99% of you would do better than you are now. If I could get you to forget everything you know, somehow hook you up to a, you know, a little, put a, put a metal strainer on your head and pull the lever and just race the parts that you learned about SEO and everything, you would do better because then all that would be left was your passion for what you created this company for, what you created this product or service for. And if all you have to run on is that and you don't trip over all this stuff that you learned about Internet marketing, I've got to have this keyword density, or I've got to, then you will be a leveragist because then you will, and you won't even know, you won't have to know about leverage itself. You'd never have to use the word, but you will walk around the internet, so to speak, like a leveragist does. And you'd just always be looking for the biggest peaks from which to shout your message. Uh, you know, and you wouldn't try to work up to anything because the only people that work up to things are people that kind of feel guilty about what they're doing in the first place. I want to sneak into this industry. They don't really have anything to say, and everybody wants somebody to have something to say. Everything needs to have meaning to it now. People are really, you know, everybody can make a pr your exact product in China for 13 cents on the dollar. Whatever you're doing, and it doesn't literally mean China, I can have a coaching program for half the cost that you're charging in a second. I just copy everything you got on your site and charge half the price and I'm in business and anybody who's price conscious and you can't make a dent in the market in any other way, like to be wonderful, to be awesome, to be the best and most talked about or anything else, I'm going to beat you all day long. I can always go to China and beat you. And so everybody knows that now. So everybody's trying to bring that up. But if you feel a little guilty about not having a message or not having a strong enough uh, uh, passion or meaning behind what you're doing to really help people, that's sniffed out so easily nowadays that people can easily in their minds without even knowing what the words they're using to categorize you versus someone else is, oh, that's just a, that's just a jinky business. That's just like a business. That's, you know, whatever. And if you're not just selling shoes or something, you know, and even when you sell shoes nowadays, you've got to have some passion, toms.com, go check that out. Um, but people just categorize you away. They, they make you quickly invisible to them. And the next time that they see anything around your brand, they recognize quickly, oh, nope, that's just somebody who's in it for the money or that's just somebody who's always marketing but never has anything to say. So a lot of people who don't have anything to say, I think, Gina, are the ones that um, kind of go at it in a kind of shady way because they're like, I know I don't have anything to say. I know there's no passion behind what I'm doing, so I kind of got to hide and try to sneak my way in using search engine tricks and social media tactics and things like that because i got nothing else to say. i got to attach a cat to everything because only then does it have any meaning whatsoever. <laughs> Without the cat, i got nothing.
Is that been That's your a really good point. I never thought of it that way, Jack. I bet that is exactly right. Come on, people, you got to be more passionate than just a cat picture. <laughs> and if you're not, or anything, go do something else. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with the original reason anybody wants to go into business being. I'm, I hate the man. I don't want to work in a cubicle. I'm tired of this corporate thing or whatever I was doing, and, and I, I want to go do something else. Specifically, having the idea that you generated come from a place that was, I need to support myself and my family in a whole new way because I'm sick of the way I'm doing it. That's the majority of people who came online and started a business. They came from that place. But in the process, the really, really currently successful ones that started out exactly the same way, found a passion, found a purpose that drives everything that they do to the point where now they're the ones on the covers of the magazines. They're the ones on all of the podcasts. They're the ones that everybody wants to talk to and partner with and do things with in your niche. No matter what niche you're in, those people found their passion and they came from the same place. I've got to do something else. You know, It's only kids that are born nowadays that can actually look and legitimately say, I don't need to go to college or do anything else. By 14, I'm going to own my own company and be worth $2 million. That's really, really recent stuff. Most everybody else has come to the Internet and started a digital business from somewhere else, from a cubicle, from dissatisfaction in whatever that they were doing. And, and then their immediate thing was, now this new thing, while I'm working nights and weekends and before I go full-time, has to make a certain amount of money or I can't do it. That's also a fine place to come from. That's a natural environment to come from. But in that process, somewhere, somewhere has to come and, and, and bloom and, and birth a passion for what you're doing. Um, you know, or you, you just end up being the people that keep coming on and and. and you know, switching businesses, thinking that it was the idea itself that sucked. Maybe, ah, this industry's dead, or everybody's in it, it's too competitive, whatever. And most of the time, you know, some of the times that can be true. It can be, it's just, it's just qualitative assessment, too competitive. It, there's no number that says, you know, 50, 50 and above is too competitive. There's no, you know, scientific method there. You just have a feeling it's too competitive. But what you're probably saying is, I'm, I don't have enough passion for what I'm doing to be able to annihilate all those other people, which is what I really need to do to hit the numbers that I need to replace the cubicle pay that I got before I came here. And so then you jump ship and you go to another business, thinking all of the time that it's the business that's the fulcrum in your leverage, and it's really truly not. It's the passion for whatever it is that you want to do. So that's why we do this show. I mean <laughs> – Gina, is it more passion for doing this show than it is a, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can promote and get the word out about, you know, your new book, the Leverage Black Book, or things like that. There's a lot of different ways to do it. This is one very legitimate way to do it, but we love to teach, right? And we can't stand it being away from, uh, you know, a webinar where we're training our clients or, or in a group setting or whatever. After a while, you, you start to yearn for it because if you're passionate about teaching, you have to do this. And if you're passionate about uncovering something you don't think a lot of people really understand or know about, then you have a podcast that interviews people who are really good at that thing that you don't think a lot of people really know about and they need to know about, which, of course, in this case is leverage. 
Isn't that why we do this? Well, I can't think of a better way to get connected to so many bright people who know about leverage so that we can also learn new stuff. Oh, absolutely. This is not a one-way street, not in any sense of the word. I get so fired up after some of our guests come on and say, here's what I've been doing. And that's why I like to do it. That's the very beginning of all of this was when I started tracking on the web. And I was trying to track down why people were successful in getting in the top of Google. And that's where power linking came from way long ago in 2002, 14 years ago now. Um, but that's where that all came from, and I've never stopped doing that. I love you know, sometimes during the journey, I call myself the success tracker, and tracking was always in it. I love that stuff, and it's really what we're doing on the show. We don't know every guest that comes on. We don't know what they're going to say. We have an inkling that, uh, for the most part, unless they are dear old friends that we know very well, that they're, something great's going to happen, and almost every single time it does, because they, they say – there's so many different ways to do business online, to think about how business is done online and how to use all the millions of different opportunities, the tools and the services that, and you know, all the different ways you can just use Facebook or Google+. And they'll come on and say, here's how I chose to do it. And I'll be writing notes. I'll be going like, oh, God, we've got to do that for the leverages. That's awesome. That's brilliant. You know? So I'm just as much a student here as anything, just, you know, listening to these guys talk when they come on, and they're just in their universe. The way they're doing things, they wouldn't do it any other way. It's successful for them because we try to you know, pick people who are already successful that everybody can learn from, including us. Absolutely. And, boy, we sometimes have incredible guests, and sometimes we have guests that no-show, like today. And then we just get yeah, to have fun. This is fun. Those guests like to talk a lot. <laughs> and hog your show, Jack. I know. Who invited them anyway? Me, right. you. <laughs> so what do we have in our future when it comes to leverage, Jack? Oh, just more fascinating stuff. It's kind of like watching a nature channel. Uh, you think, you know, if you've seen Attenborough talk about, you know, uh, South African wildlife, you think you you've know everything about it, right? But I think he's had dozens of shows um, on the same kinds of places, geographic regions and things, and every time I watch it, it's something new, a new species, a yet another kind of bird, yet another kind of fish, and a really weird way of getting around and, and, and getting on in the world for that particular species that they figured out. And for me, coming from the environmental world and having a lot more affinity with animals generally than I do with humans, I, I see it in exactly the same way. We have a different species on every week, and we talk to them and learn from them. And um, so we, I'm just going to be continuing to do that. I, I can't see myself do, doing anything other than that, um, going and getting interviewed by other species on their podcasts and you know, always seeking the highest place of highest point of leverage for ourselves personally, so that we also have a lot to demonstrate from our own personal experience and not just uh, everybody else. But if you are, if you are not recognized, and you need to be because it's part of your business model, you need to be recognized in your industry as some uh, kind of an expert. Um, you know, borrowing the expertise of someone else 
and having them put their arm virtually around your shoulders and say this person is somebody to listen to on their show or on their hangout or uh, you know their audio or video podcast, whatever it might be, or on their blog or in front of all of their followers on Facebook or whatever it might be, um, that, that's lint leverage, right? And that's something you can take back to your site and go, hey, so-and-so just said this about me. And you start to build a portfolio where even if people then don't know who you are, which is most people in your industry, they come to your website and they start to take the power, the pressure off of, you better show me why you're the most awesome person in the world and I want it to come from you. And then they start seeing uh, logos of different shows you've been on. Well, if those shows like you, I'm going to pay attention to you. And they start seeing links from other sites and places you've shown up and the things that people have said about you, all of a sudden, all of the pressure is off you. And, and they're just taking, well, if, if Gary said that about him, he must be all right. That's what I used when I interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk years ago. You know, and, and it, I mean, all of my people immediately around me were like, wow, how'd you get him to do an interview on your little show? And then go on to CNN right after that, after his first book, Crush It, came out right after my little tiny podcast, and I said, I don't know. I mean, you got to find the right people who are willing to do those kinds of things, and Gary is, was always the biggest hustler in the world, and he would go to any size show knowing that he'd get an immeasurable amount back for the effort that he put in, leverage. So I will continue to study all of this stuff and keep bringing people uh, really cool little tidbits that I find out there. Because it's inspiring, I think, to me and I think to a lot of our guests and a lot of people who have also just been on our shows. It's inspiring for them to hear the stories, and it's one of the few chances they're allowed to pop their head up above all the noise in their particular world and just look around for a minute. you know. And that, that would be what the show represents to some people uh, when they come on, or very many of them even. Um, so I want to keep doing what I'm doing. That's what's ahead. What about you? Uh, that's... I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing, Jack. And until I can, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so you've been hooking people up with uh, integration deals, integration marketing. We've talked a lot about that as, at Leverage Masters and before that, Traffic Masters. Um, what kind of fun stuff have you been up to without exposing any of the details, of course, or the, the names and places and faces? I am working on two rather large integration deals and doing that for one of our clients. Um, it's interesting because the client doesn't have a membership site, and it's a lot, I mean a whole lot easier to do integration deals if you've got a membership site, then if you don't. So I've had to be a lot more creative on how to go about doing integration. So one of the big things that I've been doing is this particular client does a lot of webinars, and they tend to think that that's the way you want to do everything, and money only comes in if you do webinars. Well, you and I both know that that is just not a very highly leveraged way of doing business, right, Jack? Yeah. It can so be, but most people don't do it that way. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I'm helping them do. How can they turn this business of doing webinars into something that is much more leveraged? So instead of just doing a webinar, then going on to the next one to make the next dollar, we are instead 
turning the webinar replays into something that's evergreen. And we're actually setting up the webinar replay to be used only as a bonus when they buy the JV Partners product that they did the webinar with. And so I've got a couple of really big deals that we're working on where the webinar itself produced more than 100 sales at $497 up front plus 97 a month. And we're taking that webinar replay and integrating it into the JV Partners business so that anyone that buys anything from these JV Partners will then get access to the replay and hopefully we continue to get similar levels of conversions. And to remind everybody of one of the very many things that's great about integration marketing is that in this scenario, you don't have to beg somebody to mail their list. They've already, if they're really successful and they have, they're connected to lots of people and have a big email list, there's a lot of people who would like them to mail uh, for their product or service. And so they're getting hounded constantly. And one of the things about leverage is being able to go under the radar and just say, no, 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 I don't, I don't want you to mail for me. I mean, I'd like it, and if you want to mail, that's fine, but I know you probably got a lot of – this is actually more lucrative, and it's an ongoing relationship, but it's not really a lot of work on your part. I'm going to give you some code to put on your, um, your page after everybody purchases. There's always a thank you page or something that gets them into a membership or gets them, into, gets them their product, and a lot of people start membership sites just to be able to protect their products. So you even become a member, but there's not really anything there. It's not like there's a lot of content in some cases. It's just here's your product, and if you ever need to access the updates or whatever, uh, you can come here. And then there's the rest of their product line where they don't have access, and they'll say, you know, you can click on this to get this, but it, you, have, you don't own it yet. And once you buy it, it will be unlocked, and now when you log in, you get the first product and the second product. So there's always a system that everybody has at the, at the back end of a purchase. And you want to be on that back end if you're going to do integration marketing, and that's what Gina just described. And you're not asking them to do anything but just make more money. Literally, when you do integration marketing, you're just asking people, would you please just make more money? And I'm not asking you to do any work. Just put this code here. You're already uh, in my affiliate program. I already got your link in it. And just give this thing away as part of uh, your system. You know? And, of course, you're going to do that with really relevant partners, you know, with uh, audiences who are going to love, love, love getting access for free to whatever you're giving away. And in this case, it's a webinar that's really, really proven to convert. So your JV partner, your integration partner is like, wow, I'm just going to plug this in and make a bunch more money. If that thing is converting like that, and you've already got proven results, this is great. So really, really giant no-brainer. As soon as you get people past the idea that the reason you're calling or emailing is not to get them to do what everybody else is trying to get them to do. They don't have any time for it. They've already picked out who they want to mail for. And if there's any room in their calendar, it's, it's going to be highly competitive whether you get into that or not. And that's what everybody thinks joint ventures are. In fact, you know, the people that do things on the down low, like Gene is doing with this particular client, nobody ever hears about it. It's not a public thing unless we talk about it here on the show. And yet it's more powerful than what everybody publicly and you know, communally knows about joint ventures. It, I just think it's so ex exciting to talk about because you know, everybody else is just talking about the regular mail from email for you thing. And that's a hard world to be in. Anybody who's a lightning rod who's really successful, very popular, is going to have a, a, a line a mile long out the door 
<laughs> to um, you know ask them if they would you know check out their product. All of a sudden, they become a little mini Shark Tank, and they sit there like Kevin Nations and go, "Nope, nope, nope. That's a stupid nope, nope, nope." And you're just in line of a whole bunch of elimination that they need to do, and that's not a line any leverageist would ever want to be in. No, not ever. So, integration is a big deal. That's, a, that's very important. We've got to do integration. If you guys want to learn more about that, if you're kind of listening and going, what is integration marketing? I have a really good resource that you might want to check out. It's called the Leverage Black Book by some really interesting people. Their, their names are like ours, Gina and Jack. It's amazing. I can, it's so coincidental that somebody would write a book like that talking about the stuff that we talk about all the time. And their names are the same as ours. You can go it, to leverageblackbook.com. And they even have a whole chapter on it, Jack. Yeah, a whole chapter on integration marketing. I thought we were the only ones who knew about that. But it's at leverageblackbook.com, or you can just go to and check out all of the, the latest shows, episodes here of Leverage Masters, and get the book at theleveragists.com. Leveragist with an S, leveragists.com, the leveragists. And you can get the book and read about integration marketing and everything else that we know about leverage. And it will get you all caught up on everything that you need to know about leverage. The only thing you'd have to do after that to keep up with your skills, as we do, is listen every week to the show. And we're always coming up with new things, new examples, new people, success stories. And, of course, since it's Leverage Masters, we're always going to center everything that we do around leverage. So uh, get caught up at the leveragist dot com get the book leverage black book and then stay caught up by listening to leverage masters every week here on blog talk radio or in itunes you can find your favorite way to get a hold of us and listen to the show every week and be reminded about new episodes at the however you like to receive your podcasts you know jack How's that that was we even had time a- for a commercial break that was such a great wrap-up i say we just end the show now Drop the mic? Are we dropping the mic? I can't. Mine's really I think expensive. So. There's I only four minutes. There's only four minutes left anyway. <laughs> well, everybody just needs to join us next week. We'll find out who our guest is and we'll let you know. <laughs> Do we oh, know? I know who our guest is next week. Our guest Ooh. next week is Tom Schwab. Tell him a little about Tom Schwab from interviewvalet.com, Jack. Tom is doing something really, really cool that is directly related to things that we talk about in the Leverage Black Book um, with regard to going and finding audiences that somebody else already made that you don't have to spend two years creating yourself and getting in front of them. And now he's started a service to show people um, or to get interviews for people who have podcasts, and you know what comes next. If, you, if you're doing one side of it, you've got to be a, probably going to end up being a lightning rod for the other and that's also to uh, uh, get interviewees. Uh, so if you want to show up on other people's shows, that's going to be a great place to be um, because they have to constantly find new guests for people. So they're finding guests for Leverage Masters and uh, making sure that um, we are on the podcasts that we need to be on as interviewees so that we can go around and, and – uh, be in front of audiences that somebody else is curating and taking care of and cultivating and keeping the engagement up and mailing their list. It's so, so much easier just to 
float over the top of the Internet on all of these audiences that are already created and not have to worry about creating your own until after the fact. Their audience becomes your audience. And what they had to do to get that audience is nothing in comparison to the easy way that you did. You just showed up on their show after they built the audience for years sometimes. You show up on their show if you do a good enough job, man, you, you can get a significant amount of them over to your page, over to your stuff. And now all of a sudden they're following you on Facebook and you never have And you just cut out, Jack. I have no idea where you just went. Anyway, come on back next week. Same time, same place for another episode of Leverage Masters, everybody. See you all next week. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.